Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition, Human Events Daily. First up today, the NIH has admitted, as we all knew, that they did actually fund gain-of-function testing in Wuhan. Next, Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci's money. Where does it come from? We're going to break down a new report on it. Third, the president of the FOP is warning against vaccine mandates across the country. And then finally, Biden's approval ratings in absolute freefall. We're going to break that down. All of this and more ahead. Human Events Daily. So everybody remembers... A few months ago, it was over the summer, when Dr. Fauci and Senator Rand Paul really got into it over this issue of whether or not the National Institute of Health and his specific agency, his department under the NIH, funded gain-of-function in Wuhan, right? And they got into this huge debate over it. Fauci was screaming at him, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the clip. Here's a reminder of it. Now you're getting into something. If the point that you are making is that the, the, the grant that was funded as a sub-award from EcoHealth to Wuhan created SARS-CoV-2. That's where you are getting. Let me finish. We don't know. Well, we don't wait know a minute. It did I come from the lab, but all you. the evidence is pointing that it came from the lab. You, and there will be responsibility for those who funded the right. lab, including yourself. I totally This committee resent, will allow the witness to respond. I totally resent the lie that you are now propagating, Senator because if you look at the viruses that were used in the experiments that were given in the annual reports that were published in the literature, it is molecularly impossible. No one's saying those it, viruses it is, caused it. It no is, one is molecularly. Those viruses caused the pandemic. What we're alleging is that gain of function research was going on in that lab and NIH funded it. That you is can't not. Get away from it. It meets your definition and you are obfuscating the truth. I'm Senator not obfuscating the truth. Senator you Paul's are the one. Time is expired, but I will allow the witness to. Let finish. me just finish. I want everyone to understand that if you look at those viruses, and that's judged by qualified virologists and evolutionary biologists. Those viruses are molecularly impossible no one's to result they are. No in SARS-CoV-2. We're saying they are gain-of-function viruses because yeah, they were animal not. viruses that became more transmissible in human, and you funded it. And you, you admit the truth. And you implying... Senator Paul, your time has expired, and I will allow witnesses right. who come before this committee to respond. And, and you are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual I totally resent and could that. Have and if anybody and is lying here, Senator, it is you. But in a new letter that just came out October 20th, 2021, it's a response to James Comer, and it is from Lawrence Tabak, the principal deputy director of the NIH. Well, it's important to state at the outset that public genomic data demonstrate that the bat coronavirus is studied under the NIH, blah, 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 blah. Hold on, hold on, here it comes. The money they funded to EcoHealth Alliance went towards research that did end up funding a study that produced gain of function pathogens, full stop. Then what do they do? Of course, 
They put the blame on EcoHealth. This was always the point of using a cutout organization like EcoHealth Alliance. This was always the point of having Peter Doshak up there. He was the scapegoat. So now what are they saying? Listen to this. This is typical bureaucracy, by the way. This is typical bureaucracy, right? You caught us. You caught us in a lie. Rand Paul was completely right, 100% right. This program was right. I was right. You were right. EcoHealth failed to report this finding right away as was required by the terms of the grant. EcoHealth is being notified that they have five days to, uh, from today to submit to NIH any and all unpublished data from the experiments and work conducted under this award. Additional compliance efforts continue. Rah, rah, rah. We're very upset that they would do this. You got caught. You got caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Maybe you got caught with your hand in the wet market, right? We understand what happened. Quit the blame game. Admit what you did. Admit you were at fault. Admit you made a violation. And by the way, by the way, Dr. Anthony Fauci kind of feels like uh, misrepresented what happened while under oath inside the United States Senate. Almost feels like, what's that word? What's that word? What's that word again? It's kind of a legal phrase. Oh, right. Perjury. Senator Rand Paul should refer Dr. Anthony Fauci to the Department of Justice under this, right? We already see that the Jan 6th Committee and the Rules Committee are going to refer Steve Bannon for not even testifying to the Unconstitutional Committee, so might as well refer Dr. Fauci as well, right? Go ahead. Just keep referring people. Dr. Fauci actually knowingly lied about a material matter to a United States senator under oath. And it was in a situation where money from the taxpayer was going to fund experiments in, the, in Wuhan in a CCP-controlled, military-linked bio-laboratory. Dr. Anthony Fauci, aren't we so proud of the good doctor? Don't we just, you know, hold him up? You've got people across the United States. Some people even worship this guy, right? It is... Getting a little weird, you know, you see these kind of pillows they do, the songs, the dress up. Uh, they've got pillows for Anthony Fauci. It's ridiculous. But if you go to MyPillow.com and utilize promo code POSTOVER up to 66% <laughs> No, seriously, you can get um, some great uh, gifts for your kids, gifts for your family. Get your order in at MyPillow right now. Beat the supply chains, beat China, support American workers. And, you know, we don't need Dr. Fauci pillows. The great thing about MyPillow, you go in, you get the, um, they have the smaller pillows. They're, they're the travel and go pillows. And they've got what all they have on them, Bible stories, stories of the nativities, the story of Christmas, Noah's Ark, right? Daniel in the lion's den. It's incredible stories that you can get, that you can share with your kids, pass on the traditions. That's what we have for my son. He takes his daycare with him. He loves it. He absolutely loves it. But Dr. Fauci, I don't want you on my pillows. No, no, no. And speaking of Christmas, by the way, Dr. Fauci has some thoughts about Christmas that he shared with Senator Marsha Blackburn. Take a listen. And, and Dr. Fauci, lastly, we know the best way to keep safe is to be vaccinated. But what are your guidelines for the upcoming holidays? Will you be giving out Halloween candy? What do we do Thanksgiving, Christmas and the other holidays? Well, Martha, I believe strongly that, it, it, particularly in the vaccinated people, if you're vaccinated and your family members are vaccinated, those who are eligible, and that is obviously very young children and not yet eligible, 
that you can enjoy the holidays. You can enjoy Halloween, trick-or-treating, and certainly Thanksgiving with your family and Christmas with your families. That's one of the reasons why we emphasize why it's so important to get vaccinated, not only for your own safety, for that of your family, but also for the good of the community to keep the level of infection down. When you do that, there's no reason at all why you can't enjoy the holidays in a family way, the way we've traditionally done it all along. And for his wonderful work, his loyalty, and his service to the American people, I'd just like to know and let all of you know that according to a new report from Open the Books, I love these guys, Open the Books. I love the work they do because they actually dig, they put in the Freedom of Information Act requests, they get all of the stuff, they get the best stuff. Open the books. Dr. Anthony Fauci reserved, received a big pay increase to prevent pandemics, thanks to biodefense. Dr. Anthony Fauci, this is the, according to their report that was published in Forbes, is the top paid federal employee, earning $434,312 in 2020. Fauci is the director of the National Institute of Health, National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, and the current chief medical advisor to the president. Fauci out-earned the president, who only orders $400,000, four-star generals like the illustrious General Milley, $282,000, and roughly 4.3 million other federal employees. By the way, why do we have 4.3 million federal employees? Do we need 4.3 million federal employees? Can we like, take that number and just, just cut it in half? Because I kind of feel like, you know, 2.15 million federal employees, if, you know, you could do the job of 4 million. Trust me, you could do it. I've been in the government. It could happen. According to new documents released via FOIA, NIH says that Dr. Fauci received a big pay hike for his biodefense research activities. In other words, Fauci was paid to prevent future pandemics. From 2004 to 2007, Fauci received a 68% pay increase from 200,000 to 335,000 a year. This award was permanent, a permanent pay increase. Nice work if you can get it, folks. Nice work if you can get it. And it carried forward all the way through 2020 because of course, we haven't had any pandemics since 2004 until now. Included in this was a letter from Dr. Raynard Kingston, then the deputy director, which was approved and signed by the NIH director under Bush. This is to request that the current retention allowance for Dr. Anthony Fauci be converted to permanent pay, uh, an adjustment in the amount over his base pay, in order, so bonuses basically, in order to appropriately compensate him for the level of responsibility in his current position of director of the NIAID uh, at the NIH, especially as it relates to his work on biodefense research activities. Dr. Fauci's work on biodefense to prevent pandemics. And we just learned, we just learned in the last segment that the NIH admitted that their funding, which came directly through NIAID to EcoHealth Alliance, to the Wuhan lab, contributed to gain of function research. This is your United States government. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to embrace it. I want you to just, just, just reach out with both arms and give it a big old hug. Just give it a big old hug. This is what your taxpayer dollars are going towards, to Fauci, to this nonsense, it's complete nonsense. And on top of that, another 4.3 million federal employees. I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like you could get 43 guys off of like Twitter 
and they could probably do a better job than the 4.3 million on all of this stuff. They would say, don't give money to Wuhan. Wow, what a concept. What an absolute concept. And we're back now. I told you that we were gonna be doing some of these coming forward. Tonight is the next fight night, or as we call it at Turning Point Live, debate night. Tonight we've got Charlie Kirk, going up against socialist professor Ben Burgess. Who will tap out first? Know who I've got my money on, folks. I know who I got my money on. I'm, not, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Don't gamble. Definitely don't gamble. No, but seriously, it's, it's gonna be a good uh, debate tonight. Definitely go check that out during fight night. It's debate night. It's here on Turning Point Live. And we're gonna be continuing to host these. Bring in somebody from the left, bring in someone from the right, a liberal, a conservative, sit down, and not just debate, but actually have conversations about these issues. That's one of the things that we've really lost in our society. You know, we used to have programs where people did this, and then Jon Stewart came in and blew the whole thing up, and I'm really, really not a fan of Jon Stewart, and uh, I think he's responsible for a lot of the division that we see in the country today. But it's another story. We'll talk about that later. Going forward, the National Fraternal Order of Police, the FOP president, has come out to discuss the problems with enforcing and cracking down on these vaccine mandates for police officers in the major cities, the major metropolitan areas of the United States. Listen to what he had to say. Well, what is it in, in the police work or in the, in the, in the officers across the country that, that there is this hesitancy to get vaccinated despite they're on the front lines? Uh, of this pandemic and despite the toll that the, it's taken on law enforcement? Well, Terry, first, uh, I can make it very clear that there's no question the science shows that this is, a, this is definitely a, a, a serious uh, issue that needs to be addressed. And, and we recognize that. We encourage all of our members to be vaccinated. At the same time, we also recognize that we are a microcosm of, of society. There are people in this country that have a closely held belief that vaccinations are a personal choice. And we, we respect that. Uh, but we, at the same time, encourage our members to, to to consult with uh, with the medical personnel and make an informed decision in order to protect them and their families. Uh, this is definitely a crisis that we need to address. Uh, I suggest that a lot of the problems that we see in this country where we're struggling uh, with all of these mandates uh, really was the wrong approach. The proper approach would have been incentivized and to try and build some support around vaccinations as opposed to trying to force people to do it. Now, just simply look at it in terms of what it costs and the investments of a trained officer. What we're doing now is we're putting ourselves in a position where we're talking about taking trained personnel that, that cities have invested across this country uh, in order to be able to get them to the point where they're effective officers and telling them that although you operated for a year without a vaccination, and we appreciate it, now if you don't have one, we're going to cast you aside. So, mm -hmm. so maybe the approach here is a little wrong, a little different, and it could have been much more efficient if we would have built built uh, some, some consensus around uh, vaccinations rather than trying to, to force it on, on people who are already skeptical of it. And it really is as simple as that. He pointed out, he said, these guys were serving for a year without a vaccine. Many of them probably at this point have attained natural immunity like so many other people have because they've caught COVID, they've been on the job, uh, they got it, they did the two weeks, they came back. And yet you're cracking down on this mandate saying you have to do this. And, you know, one of the weird things about this mandate, too, and I hear people saying this as a kind of uh, response, but total canard. They'll say, well, we've got other mandates. We've got other, you know, mandatory things, other vaccine. Really? What other vaccination mandate did you require or have you been required to have before going on an airplane? 
last time you bought an airplane ticket or any other time in your life, or when you wanted to go see a movie, or when you wanted to go into a restaurant, what vaccine card did you have to show? It's ridiculous. They haven't done anything like this before, right? I can talk and I've talked before about being in the military and I've told the stories about that. Sure, okay, 100%. But when it comes to everyone like this, and when it comes to our police officers, right, you'd really think, and the polling is coming out right now from Rasmussen, saying the public really isn't on board with this. You know, one, when we've got people being raped in the city of Philadelphia on trains, on public transportation, and the police aren't able to do anything about it because they're stretched too thin and crime is completely out of control, and you've got these ridiculous Soros-funded DAs that are just letting, they're just letting all this happen and letting these people out. You've got a serious problem and the only people that would potentially stand in its way, you're gonna go after them. Get out of cities. Folks, just get out of cities. I really don't know how to put it any more simply than that. Just don't be there. Next five years, maybe the next 10 years. This is not a good situation. The homicide rates are only going to go up. You need to get out, you need to be safe, your families need to be safe. Well, Joe Biden's latest approval numbers are in and they are sinking faster than the Titanic. Uh, and this, by the way, is out of Grinnell University. So go and take a listen to the pollster who was in charge of this talking about this guy sinking like a rock. And Seltzer, uh, you asked about President Biden. We see uh, in, uh, in what you found, uh, he's facing some of his lowest approval ratings yet. He's 37% approval, 50% uh, uh, disapproving, which voters, what issues uh, do you see behind this? Right. Well, in terms of issues, we, we asked for approval ratings and how he's doing with immigration, which where he scored very poorly, just 27 percent approving. We also took a look at how he's doing with COVID, COVID. And sadly, this is, you might say, is the high watermark for him. He still doesn't get 50 percent approval uh, on how he's doing with COVID, COVID, and that's his benchmark issue. He also only gets 36% approval with the economy. And as the economy goes, so goes the president's stand, standing. So it's no surprise that that number at 36 is almost exactly what his overall numbers are for approval. Two groups I would call out. One is that he is, uh, gets more disapproval by a lot with independents um, than approval. So it's almost a two to one ratio, twice as many disapproving as approving and independents were crucial to his electoral success. He is also underwater, not, not by as much, but with women and women throughout the campaign were of his strongest supporters. He does better with suburban women, uh, but not exactly a lot to be proud of. It's 46 to 38 percent uh, more approving than disapproving, but he's not even halfway with suburban women. And now you heard that particularly Joe Biden's polling numbers under independence are the ones that have tanked. Now remember, independents were the ones that really swung for President Biden under the 2020 election because this was seen uh, on the COVID issue as something where they trusted him and they thought that he was gonna be doing better. Now it's a two to one ratio disapproval to approval. So he's not only lost independence, they are leaving in droves. They are running from him like the absolute plague or perhaps like COVID-19. And so now many people are asking, Poso, you said that there was this huge shade war in the White House. So does that mean that Kamala Harris is not gonna be embracing Joe Biden as much anymore? Well, 
take a look at this very authentic and very credible video. <laughs> really? Oh, Joe. So as you can see, of course, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, they're just the best of friends. It's kind of funny. So Biden pulled this like fake relationship, uh, this fake friendship that he had with Obama for all the eight years that he was in the White House. But the problem is that it's just not working. So President Biden, Vice President Harris, there's no chemistry there. Neither of them can even fake their way through this. It's like watching uh, The Office without the laugh track, right? This is so cringe that it's cringe. It's actually so cringe that it's cringe. I cringed when watching this. <laughs> Joe Biden, not doing well out there, Mr. President. Not doing very well at all. That's all the time we have for today on Human Events Daily, but remember our motto to you, be good, be brief, be gone. We give you the bottom line up front. So be the influence agent. Send this out to your normie friends. Get it out everywhere. Leave us a review, by the way. It really does help us out a lot. It really helps us with the rankings and everything else. And thank you, seriously, just thank you so much for watching this and continuing to support this and being part of this audience. We break these stories every day. It's a lot of work, but we want to be here for you, crunching all this information. But before we go, before we go, it's time for today's moment of history. This one, of course, U.S. Navy history, always uh, very special to me. Today, the USS Constitution, the old Ironsides, the oldest frigate commissioned warship still afloat was launched up in Boston, Massachusetts. Old Ironsides, the USS Constitution, the symbol of the United States Navy. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission. Lay short.